This episode is sponsored by a donor to the True Athlete Project, or TAP. TAP improves athletic performance, nurtures mental health, and cultivates a more compassionate society. They do this by delivering mindfulness-based, socially conscious programs for coaches and athletes of all sports and at all levels, from grassroots to Olympians. Visit thetrueathleteproject.org. On this episode, we have Nick Humphreys. Nick became a serial entrepreneur as a teenager and matched that with his passion for soccer, where he launched a company called Train Effective that caught the eye and backing of longtime Manchester United player Rio Ferdinand, who lifted the Champions League trophy for the team in 2008. Nick, it's really great to have you on the show. Same. Nice to see you again. Really been looking forward to this conversation because of our mutual passion that runs very deep in both of us. And that is uh, for the love of, of football, our football, European, Asian football. The, the beautiful game. I've been playing it all my life, pretty much. So, uh, so I'm excited. So now you hail from a country that also calls it soccer. Um, both America and Australia um, call it soccer and your national team are called the Socceroos. Um, share about that experience. You were born in, in Canberra? Yeah, I was born in uh, the capital of Australia, Canberra. Um, it's kind of just grew up playing soccer there um, from about eight or nine years old. Um, I was one of those players that was always rejected from the from the kind of the local team um, and that kind of paved the way for, for me to prove a point or prove, prove my path. Um, ended up moving to Europe when I was about 15 years old and basically uh, started playing in Europe, played in Switzerland, played in, or started off in Hungary actually in Budapest, um, then moved to Amsterdam later. Um, then Switzerland, and then finally where I am today in London. Gotcha. I want to go back just a little bit and uh, ask yeah. a few more questions along the way of that uh, that, that journey that you shared. Um, so your family is originally from Australia, or where did they migrate from somewhere? Uh, so my father's Australian, and my, my, my mother is Japanese. Okay. Um, so, uh, yeah, I've grown up in a mixed well, I got to see two cultures growing up. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, three cultures because because growing up in Europe as well for yeah. some some of that part. So, so yeah, I, I consider myself someone uh, that's got to see quite a lot of the world quite uh, quite young. And so, um, so yeah, I think I can relate with different people from different backgrounds. And I think football is a catalyst of that. It's so global, or soccer, sorry, so global. Um, so many different cultures and and something that to this day I, I love being involved in. That's great. So when you were young, what was it that really stirred your passion for this sport? Uh, well, when I was about eight years old, I was flicking through the school newsletter and I saw an ad in there that there was a, a local team that needed players. Um, I didn't know much about soccer at the time, but I thought it would be interesting to give it a go. Um, my dad gave the, the team manager a call. Team manager said to come. And my first game, I remember we were wearing these uh, long shirts that more resembled like hockey hockey shirts because they were so long. I guess it was because I was so small. Um, started as a, a goalkeeper and uh, yeah, played the first game and fell in love with it and been in love with it ever since. Um, and 
I kind of just very early was really passionate about game, that game and, and sports in general. And until it, it grew into something, when I was about 15 or 16, I, I thought, well, what do I really want to do in life? What do I really dream? What do I really desire? And um, at the time, I was I was good at the entrepreneur, entrepreneurial stuff. I was doing car washes around the block. I was uh, selling right. stuff. I was doing eBay. Yeah. Did you move with your family to to Hungary? Yeah. I mean um, my dad worked for the for the for the embassy in uh, Australia. Okay. So um, one of the opportunities we got was to move to Hungary. So that was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. That's great. So, um, have you did you stay playing goalie when you were younger, or did you move to a different to a field position? I think that was only the first few games, and then they then the coach realized that I was probably better as an outfield player. So that was the only that was the first and last time I played goalkeeper. Okay. Um, and what's your what's your favorite position? Favorite position on the field uh, ended up uh, quickly being like an attacking, like a winger on the okay. field. So like a right winger. Nice. Um, yeah. And so I'll on note the for those, sorry, I was going to say, I'll note for those uh, just listening that uh, Nick has uh, FIFA TV on in the background. <laughs> yeah. You can see it. I thought it would be a better backdrop than uh, just a white wall. So, so uh, but you were saying, sorry. Yeah. Um, so where was I? 15? 15. Yeah, so fi you were talking about some of the entrepreneurial um, things you were doing. I'm just curious, like, where do you think that comes from? Um, you mentioned your dad worked for the embassy. Um, any other entrepreneurial threads in your, your family? Um, no, really, honestly, not. And um, that's still something sometimes I question why I'm so passionate about entrepreneurship because it doesn't really run through my family uh yeah i don't really have any entrepreneurial strings i i think i just fell in love with um when i was very young just fell in love with with the idea the concept of commerce or business nice uh why i'm not so sure yet but those yeah something attracted me yeah. You had this company called Kick It Deals. Did you start that in Australia? Yes. Uh, so when that was when I was about 15 years old, I was uh, a big, obviously a big fan of um, soccer. And uh, Australia didn't have a, have a good online soccer store. So I thought I'd create and set up the first one. Um, <laughs> Nice. And basi basically, I mean, it wasn't really too complicated because I was already ordering shoes from the US from sites like soccer.com. Um, and I was basically drop shipping them. And but what I really made was a kind of a brand and a relationship with customers. And um, and that's one of the things I learned from Kicker Deals. Yeah. Gotcha. And ha so how long did you run that company? A couple of years, two or three years used i think um until i kind of just kind of just stalled and flatlined and i moved on to other things gotcha. uh, so and you yeah. were running it while you migrated to hungary yeah so i guess that was one of the the great things i started it in australia um i learned about the whole drop ship shipping thing when i was early uh, like early in life because before that i was doing things on ebay um where i was, I was basically drop shipping refurbished iPods. Um, so I, I figured out there was a real 
kind of business model there or way to at least make some good pocket money. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like th- that's what happened with, uh, with the eBay stuff. I became a power seller and then moved on to kick it deals. And then I think that was around the time when I started exploring more, more projects I was, I was passionate in. Nice. Now, when you started the companies like Kick It Deals, um, your objective was just to have some, as you say, pocket money, or w- did you have another ambition in mind? Well, I love co- I love commerce. I love entrepreneurship. I love the the concept of making your own money. I never re- I never if I wanted a video game or like you know like the latest copy of FIFA or something. I didn't. I really didn't want to ask my parents. Um, so I always wanted to make like my own money and thought it was fun just to figure out a way how to do it. Nice. So, so yeah, that's how the eBay stuff came along. Gotcha. Um, Nick, are you an only child? No, I have two older brothers. Okay. Are they also entrepreneurs? Uh, not really. <laughs> no. <laughs> are they passionate um, about uh, soccer? Not really. Like this is a weird thing too. Not like I, I'm the only, um, the first member of my family that really has a passion for, for soccer. So nice. Okay. Yeah. That works. Tell us about the, um, uh, the company startup video. Startup video. So, uh, so moving on from ticket deals, the next venture that I had was a social network called cool pig. Uh, cause I was in high school at the time and I, I wanted I wanted a place where students could kind of learn from each other and share notes and share things that they've been learning in their classes and things like that. Then after Cool Pig, funny name, I, I haven't said that name in a long time. Um, <laughs> cool Pig was a startup video. So one of the things, the reason why I brought up this Cool Pig thing and this social network for high school students was because I wanted a, a way, I really had an issue with learning in school it was really hard for me to pay attention in classes and learn from textbooks. Mm. And I'd always find myself making my own kind of simplified study guides and just trying to find simple, simplify concepts in general that I was learning. And um, when I, I saw one day an explanation video online uh, explaining, explaining some, some concepts from school. And I thought, well, you could uh you could use the same same methodology the the same kind of concept but uh for companies Mm. um so that's how i that's how startup video started um and uh yeah startup video was basically where we'd create one to three minute explainer videos that would basically explain like a company's uh value proposition within yeah 60 seconds 90 seconds gotcha and um, I'm just so the really the genesis of the idea was that um, from school like you were creating these your own study guides and so you that was the mental leap to say you know what I can explain people's companies in a very in an elegant uh, way and, and create these videos for them that helps get their messaging across yeah nice. yeah exactly and and people's attention spans are so short they can't grasp what your company is doing really quickly within a minute, then they're probably not going to spend the rest of their time, you know, dealing with your product or your service or your company. So that was one of the things with those explainer videos that like hook someone's attention within five or 10 seconds 
get them to really understand, okay, this is what the company is doing. And um, yeah, it will be, it will create trust and it will create trust and just generally lead to a better conversion. And then um, did you end up just transitioning uh, out of that business? Because I think at the time you also moved to Amsterdam from Hungary. So back at that time, 2012, 2013, I had a, almost like a monopoly on the keywords for explainer videos. So like web video animation, startup video, uh, web video for businesses. These were kind of the top keywords for that niche. Mm. And they were getting quite a lot of search volume on Google. Okay. But then, uh, so uh, that's why the, the domain names, the URLs I had were, uh, were matching that, like startupvideo.net, webvideoforbusinesses.com. And then what happened, I think in, I think it was 2012, uh, Google came out with this update um, called Penguin. I think it was called Penguin to their search engines. And uh, that basically killed all my all my rankings for the websites. So I, I was basically going from earning, uh, yeah, thousands or sometimes even tens of thousands in a, in a month um, to going to basically going to zero. And oh, wow. uh, that was one of the, one of the big, big lessons of entrepreneurship and marketing that I learned is uh, don't put all your eggs in one basket, especially when it comes to acquiring customers, because that's what I did with that. Okay. Um, Wow. So um, describe that moment. You've got this thriving business, you're making uh, thousands a month. And then how did you find out? Yeah. And, and on top of that, just to add to that, the daily deals, da daily deals at that time were also a really big thing, like the Groupons and they had the Groupon style, but for businesses as well, B2B. And that was doing really, really well for me. Um, so this kind of all kind of died out the, the, I couldn't get my mojo back with all that stuff again. Um, and I, I liked, I liked the business. I like talking to the customers. I like trying to condense and explain their stories. Um, but I, I figured that, I figured that, okay, it was a tough moment. Went to zero. Um, I had to start looking at the next concepts and then I realized that I wasn't, really a hundred percent passionate into all those things that I, I was doing. And, um, I wanted some way to combine my other passion at the time, which was soccer and see if I could actually make a business out of it. Mm. So, so that, that's how train effective came about. Gotcha. Now, um, well, before we dive into that, um, you had some time at UBS. Yeah. Uh, three things happening in parallel. So number one is the entrepreneurship hustle. Number two is a football hustle. So I'm also working to be a professional footballer. Um, something I've been, I've been training about 20 hours a week for at the time as well. And the third, I, I was actually studying in college or uni. And uh, part of that college university degree where I was studying in Amsterdam actually uh, was for me to do an internship. I might as well see what corporate the kind of corporate life is like too. So I uh, applied for some internships and UBS was one of the ones that, uh, that said, yeah. And that was in Switzerland. What kind of work were you doing with them? Wealth management. So I worked in uh, innovation, the innovation department within wealth management. Uh, basically it was a team about, of about 10 people and we we're working on kind of the latest things going on with FinTech and wealth tech and 
uh, even RegTech. So yeah, worked, worked there for about 18 months and that was a really great experience as well. But you didn't uh, want to continue with that. The, the project that I was working on at UBS was, uh, was not going to be continued anymore. So I thought, all right, it's a, it's a good time to kind of leave and pursue what I was working on with Train Effective full time and just go all into it. Gotcha. Okay. Um, when did you first have the idea for Train Effective? Uh, I actually conceived it when I was about 15, 16 years old when um, I had this aspiration to be a professional soccer player. And I understood the concept that you needed to put in 10,000 hours of, of, uh, of deep focus practice to become world-class in your craft. So um, that's based I, on Malcolm Gladwell. Malcolm Gladwell, yeah. <laughs> I, I picked up uh, Outliers read about that concept and I, I suddenly started training a lot more because I really believed in the concept of, of that practice um, that he was, he was talking about. And uh, I applied that, started working, training 20 hours a week on the field, rain, sun, snow, uh, sunshine. And, uh, and I got progressively better. And within the space of about two years, I went from just being that local kind of, Sunday league type player to actually getting professional trials and opportunities and eventually being offered a contract to play professionally. Nice. Um, but during that time, number one, I, I really believed in the concept of practice because it was really improving me, believed in that 10,000 hour rule concept. Um, and, but while I was doing that, I realized I didn't have great coaches around me, didn't really have great facilities and didn't really have this environment which the professionals had. So I wanted to try and replicate and create that on my, uh, on my own. Okay. Gotcha. Um, which professional team did you sign with? Uh, I didn't end up signing with a team, but I, for the soccer lovers out there, the people in the know, um, one of my first trials was at AFC Wimbledon. Sure. Uh, for their under 17s. Um, that didn't work out. Okay. Uh, at, uh, I then went on, like various open tryouts uh, with various teams and um, and clubs and things like that. Uh, then I ended up getting an opportunity with the Australian national team. Oh wow! Uh, they uh, one guy there saw my highlight video, which I made, uh, and I knew how to how to make good highlight videos because of um, startup video. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, someone saw the video, uh, got got offered an opportunity there. Um, but sadly, I never never got into those teams, but I kept trying, kept persisting. Eventually, opportunity came around in the Hungarian second division, which was organized by my coach at that time. Okay. Um, and uh, I, I ended up getting an offer to play there uh, with a contract to, to play professionally um, at the age of 18, just turned 18. But I ended up turning it down because... Well, if you had visited the area, it was in a, like a really local, like a regional area of Hungary, and the contract conditions weren't so great. Um, mm -hmm. So we decided to pass on it. Um, yeah. So what ended up happening is I ended up just playing uh, semi-professionally around, around Europe, basically. Um, but, but being paid to play, which was great, it was awesome. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and focusing on training effective at the same time. Yeah, gotcha. Um, 
So you were really approaching train effective from the perspective of a player looking to refine their skills. And your target was uh, people who maybe didn't have access to the right coaching staff um, and the right um, programs. Is that the right way to think of it? Yeah, well, I wanted to learn from the best and the experts. And I wanted to learn from, you know, Jose Mourinho or... Uh, uh, I remember hearing the story about Rene Bernstein, which was an assistant coach at Man United at the time. And he was doing all this individual stuff with Ronaldo and, uh, and these types of players. So I was like, oh, I wish I could learn from these guys one day. Um, but, but I couldn't. And even if you want to play in a professional kind of academy or system like that, you need to get in them. And only, you know, 0 0.001 or yeah, 0.001% of players would actually have the opportunity to get in those academies. So I thought, well, why not de democratize that access to what you get in the elite environments and give it to the world? Because like millions and millions of players want to be in those environments. There are, I think, 500 or 600 million players uh, around the world that, that actually play soccer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so interesting. Um, so uh, when you formed Train Effective and you launched it, you, did you make a decision at that point that you'd love to have a pro soccer player involved? Or how, so how, guide us to the eventual uh, partnership with Rio Ferdinand. Yeah, so Train Effective started, the MVP concept of Train Effective basically started as, as me um, posting drills and various content I found on my blog. So I had a blog at the time where I was documenting my journey and uh, I, I would share this content and this material. And I basically made a portal in that blog for players because I had a small audience of players at the time that were reading my blog. I told them, come to this portal and like, and learn from it. I've categorized stuff into, you know, drills for strikers, drills for midfielders, um, defenders, etc. Check it out. And I started getting really good feedback on that. So I thought, okay, let's try to create a, a platform out of this. So I, I, I registered the domain name, traineffective.com, um, worked with a freelancer to kind of wireframe like a basic concept and put my vision of what a great platform could look like. And um, yeah, so there's an initial concept of Train Effective. It was just using uh, stuff that I'd found on the web and I just put it in one place. I also filmed my own exercises and drills and stuff that was helping me. And uh, I uh, put a paywall on it just to test it out to see if anyone would actually um, also like pay for access for this kind of thing. And to my surprise, people did. Nice. Um, and from that point, I started growing it. So I thought, okay, I'm not an expert in this field. I know some of my stuff, but I'd rather get experts involved. And um, eventually... Uh, experts from different Premier League clubs uh, started contributing to the content of it. Okay, um, who were some of those Premier League clubs who started giving content? So one of the first ones was a, a guy from Fulham. He was a performance yeah. analyst at Fulham. Nice. So he started kind of teaching players what to do, at, like how to make great decisions um, when you have the ball and when you don't have the ball. Something which is really hard to coach, by the way. Yeah. Something you need to be in those professional environments or need to have that like really well-educated father to tell you, you know, your dad is a coach or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
So he created videos or was it blog content? Yeah. Yeah. Videos, nice. videos, uh, nice. kind of instructional videos. Yeah. And um, this would all be hooked up into like kind of a gamified system. People would earn points for watching. There'll be a community element around it. You could see leaderboards. And then um, uh, from there, did you start looking for uh, partnerships with uh, leading players or how did the Rio Ferdinand uh, relationship kick off? I kept bootstrapping Train Effective and any, every cent that was, we made from Train Effective, I, I, I put right back into it. And the reason why I say we is because then people that were actually using the platform ended up becoming coders. Oh, I ended nice. up becoming marketers for it because they really liked the concept as well. Um, so that's how some of the early staff came about. I really want to take it to the next level. And I thought getting someone like uh, someone that I actually looked up to and someone that I wrote about in my blog, um, I thought, okay, why not approach Rio and uh, see if we can do something with them. The reason why I say Rio over, over, uh, like Louis Figo or uh, who's another legend, Frank Lampard or something like that. The reason why I say Rio is because if you've ever looked at interviews with him on TV or um, different content that you find with him on, on YouTube, he always talks about hard work. He always talks about the grind, always talks about determination and passion and things of that nature. So I thought, yeah, okay, this is going to be a perfect fit for the platform. Nice. So you targeted yeah. him. I targeted, well, I targeted him and uh, ended up reaching to his, to his manager just by a, a cold email, actually. Um, never figured I'd get a response, but, uh, but I didn't actually end up getting a response the first time. But every time I saw or stumbled across a piece of content of, of Rio, I thought like, okay, I'm going to follow up again because I just really believe that this guy could be a great fit for us. And um, I wasn't receiving replies, so I just I kept following up. And after a few few follow ups, I, I eventually got a reply, uh, and that turned into a meeting. And then yeah, the partnership was born. Amazing! Well done. Yeah. Good job and being uh, persistent. Thank you. And then just in case um, there might be some listeners not familiar, I mean Rio Ferdinand is uh, a force to be reckoned with. He's a very accomplished player. He's been with he had been with Manchester United for a number of years as a defender. Uh, lifted the Champions League trophy back in two thousand eight, I believe. Yep, his teammates included you know Cristiano Ronaldo, David Beckham, Ryan Giggs. Um, the list goes on. He's yeah. played against or marked the likes of Messi and all the greats. Yeah, yeah. And he's a great himself. So so. Your first meeting with his um, organization, is it just the manager or is Rio there as well? Rio was always top of that list, but I, I, I'd also been talking to others. So Rio has a commercial manager. When that was successful, then, then there was a chance to uh, actually talk to Rio. Nice. So um, tell us about that conversation. What was your pitch to, to Rio? What did you say to him? I was just really honest and transparent. I said, look, I always thought you're someone that put your their heart on their sleeve and was passionate and yeah, preached all the things that I love talking about as well, the hard work and determination and you know, that the hustle. And um I said, I've been watching you. I created this platform which works off all those values, the same values that you have. It's got traction, paying users, I wanna scale it, I wanna grow it, I wanna impact 
as many people as possible with this platform. And I feel like you'd be a perfect spokesperson, ambassador and, and, and partner for it. And uh, how quickly did he agree to, to join? He said, Nick, can I see the app? I said, okay, sure, Rio, look, let's take a look at the app. Uh, showed him the app. I was about maybe 40, 50 seconds with, with showing it. And, um, and he basically said, yeah, right. How do I get involved? So nice. that was a good sign. It was. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> what a way to close. <laughs> and so how's the relationship been with him? I mean, it seems extremely positive. He talks about train effective in the press. Um, how has the business trended since he got involved in terms of number of subscribers and so forth? Yeah, so we, we had a really good, uh, a good launch back in November uh, when we launched our freemium product. So be before then, everything was kind of behind a paywall. Um, but to really achieve our vision of scaling it to, to millions and millions, we need to have a free product or a freemium product. So yeah. back in November, we released a freemium product, I launched, it, launched it with Rio. That got really, really quite good um, press coverage. So uh, Forbes covered it, uh, 442, Give Me Sport, a lot of the major sports publications covered it. I actually it. really like 442. Um, really smart. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, he obviously has a huge following on social media. I think there's 10 million on Twitter. And now we're, we're work, working on the next steps, really. Um, COVID hindered, hindered kind of those, no, those next steps a little bit. Um, but th there's definitely a roadmap now for uh, 2020, 2021 in the future. That's great. And uh, tell us about what, what's your vision? Where would you like to see it go? There's a, there's a real market for this and there's a real demand with what's happening right now with the professionalization of, of youth sports, there are issues with, you know, corruption and um, false opportunities, um, agents asking, exploiting young kids for money and things like that. And what I really hope to create with Train Effective is not just a coaching platform, which is going to help train millions of, of kids to reach their full potential, but also an ecosystem where uh, one can join and really develop uh, across the, uh, their years, across a five or 10 or 15 year period. Um, I want Train Effective to always be by their side, be their companion. Well, Nick, this has been a really great conversation. Thanks to Sims. Yeah, thank it. you so much, Nick. Achieve is recorded at Subtractive and Hangar 8 at the Santa Monica Airport. Music is produced by Hennedy.